0: By Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Overcomers, God's Vision for You to Thrive in an Age of Anxiety and Outrage, written and narrated by pastor and best-selling author Matt Chandler and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold.
1: Hey listeners, a quick note before we get started. I just want to tell you about some of the exciting things that have happened since our last episode. First of all, you may have noticed that just in this brief bit of time I've been talking to you, I sound a lot better. A friend of the show donated money to buy a much better vocal mic. And I know you can't see it at home, but I've got two screens on my editing desk instead of my little laptop screen, which helps speed up the editing process. We've done a lot more on-location recording in recent episodes thanks to a portable audio recorder. And that sharp S sound that plagued the early episodes, it's known as sibilance, is now gone thanks to a plug-in that I bought for the editing studio. These improvements were made possible by people like you. People who stepped up and said, we believe in truce. We want to be a part of this thing. And if you'd like to join the movement to bring high-quality, intelligent podcasts to life, sign up for Patreon, where you can give a little each month. Those regular donors let me know that there's a steady stream of money that I can rely on Each month, and it gives you a chance to be a big part of what we're doing here. You can look us up on Patreon.com, that's P A T R E O N, or find links on the Truce Podcast website at TrucePodcast.com. Okay, let's get to the show. So I know it doesn't fit our normal style here at Truce. This call is
2: being recorded.
1: But you've been waiting so patiently for Season 3 to begin. Which is now. This is Season 3. Hello. Welcome. After this episode, we're going to cover some difficult subjects. But in the usual truce way, with humor and some interesting interviews. So, before we get started on the heavy stuff... Hi, Phil. This is Chris Starren. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Chris? I've got a special treat. I recently got an email from a publicist asking if I'd like to interview... So, uh, where are you? I am in Jackson, Wyoming. He's one of the creators of VeggieTales, the animated Christian series that has sold over 65 million units. That means that about one-third of all American households with small children at one point had one of his movies. He's also the co-host of the Holy Post podcast and the author of the new Laugh and Learn Illustrated Bible for
2: Kids. You can podcast from there? That's uh, that's allowed technology work? It, it is,
1: yeah. Um, you have to watch out for the uh, bank robbers and stuff here at West, uh, but uh, <laughs> it
2: is technically a state. Okay, yeah. right. Congratulations <laughs> Thank you, that.
1: thank you, yeah. Although a lot of people in the U.S. don't know where it is. <laughs> Needless to say, when you get an offer to interview Phil Vischer. You interview Phil Vischer. Oh, and before I forget, you're listening to the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars to explore how we got here and how we can do better. I'm Chris Starin, and this is Truce. So I started by asking Phil if he grew up in a Christian home.
2: Uh, very, very, very. <laughs>
1: That's
2: my answer. That's my short answer is is yes. Um, We're part of a denomination called the Christian Missionary Alliance that was started in New York City back in the 1880s by... A.B. Simpson, a Presbyterian uh, minister who was reaching out to Italian immigrants in New York City and then inviting them to his fancy Presbyterian church and then had the rest of the congregation complain (laughs) and say, we don't mind you reaching out to these people, but please don't bring them back here.
1: Which is, of course, not a great attitude. Oh, racism. So he started a missions organization and then a new denomination. Phil's great-grandfather got involved early on. And
2: then in 1923, My great-grandfather was invited to inaugurate a new radio station in Omaha, Nebraska. This was the year after radio was commercialized in the US.
1: And they founded WOW.
2: And the first Sunday invited a young local pastor to come and give a benediction for the new radio station. And that was my great-grandfather. And it was so well-received that they invited him back the next Sunday. And he preached on the radio every Sunday morning from 1923 until 1964 when he died, at which point it was the oldest, longest-running radio show in America.
1: So he grew up hearing stories of missionaries in the field and adventures at the radio station. You could make the argument that media is in his blood.
2: One of my relatives was the first white man into a whole section of Irian Jaya and brought the good news about Jesus to cannibals. And uh, so these were our dinner conversation stories.
1: So, yes, he grew up in a very Christian home. He did go to a Christian college for a while. I went to St. Paul Bible College, which is
2: one of our denominational schools. It in, in, uh, was in St. Paul. My dad actually attended it when it was in St. Paul. And then they moved it west of Minneapolis to an old, uh, to a Jesuit college that had just closed. Um, And uh, I went there. I was going to go there for just a year and get a Bible certificate. And then I was going to go to the West Coast and go to film school. Um, But after a year there, I'd met Mike Naraki, who's the Larry the Cucumber to my Bob the Tomato. And and there were some other guys that were really kind of fun to hang out with. I thought, I'm not done with this. I'm coming back for another year so we can have more fun. So I came back for another year and we had so much fun that Mike and I were both invited not to return to Bible college ever again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's worth saying that he was asked to leave because of his chapel attendance. In some Christian schools, you are required to attend chapels so many times a week and... He didn't. Okay, so it wasn't like you were caught doing pranks and stuff. <laughs> you were a decent citizen. We were, and then...
2: we were caught doing pranks and stuff. And, oh, and, really? And I, and I did, yes, we did a lot of pranks, but that's not why we were kicked out.
1: None of the pranks were that bad. They were just having fun. But because I love a good prank, I wanted to know a little bit more.
2: Borrowing scenery from the, the theater department to build a bridge. To the ornamental island in the middle of the lagoon in the front of the school so we could pitch a tent on this tiny little ornamental island and all camp out there overnight. Things like that. And then we woke up in the morning to the, uh, the custodial department uh, staring at us <laughs> saying, how did you get there? And how do we get all this stuff back in the school from this bridge that you assembled out of scenery? <laughs> you know, we put our friends a Volkswagen Beetle inside the school and put it in a, in the a crossway of the main halls where the two halls, main halls in the building crossed and then put it diagonally so it blocked both hallways and locked it and just left it there for the custodians to figure out what to do
1: with it. Now that he didn't have Bible College to go back to, he and Mike ended up in Chicago at a video production firm and they started making short films together.
2: Well, I made my first animated film when I was about nine years old with my my grandpa's super eight millimeter camera and spent most of high school experimenting with animation and computers.
1: But the video production house didn't yet have a way to do computer animation, so they made music videos and short films.
2: I have a collection of very weird short films that I'm kind of afraid of anyone finding. <laughs> I just don't know how well, how well they reflect on my ministry nowadays.
1: Mike was still planning to be a missionary doctor. At this point, Phil's maybe 20 years old working at a video production house.
2: And uh, the president of the, the company announced that they were gonna buy a Bosch FGS 4000, which was the hot new thing uh, in video production. It was the first commercially available computer animation system.
1: If you're old enough to remember the music video of Dire Straits' Money for Nothing, with the little box of computer guys in it, This was the system used to make those graphics. His boss bought the second one in the Chicago area and sent Phil to learn how to use it.
2: And it was clear at that point, as I start to learn this system, which was the size of a commercial refrigerator, it was huge and loud, and all it could really do is is logos and bar charts. Um, And then the very simple characters that they kind of animated for the Dire Straits Money For Nothing video, that you could not do storytelling yet.
1: So Phil learned how to use it, but couldn't wait until the technology enabled him to tell a story. He went to conferences and asked around, when would they write a program that could do character animation? Years went by like this, asking for character animation and finding out that it just wasn't available. Until one conference he found the right company.
2: Um that was started by an animator and he said we're going to write software specifically for doing character animation and that uh, software when I launched it was called Softimage which is how they did the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park and the, uh, the Terminator and uh, Terminator 2 so I went out and bought the I think it was the 12th copy of
1: Softimage that had been sold. Phil gets this new software and starts experimenting with characters.
2: Then I started working on it to figure out, all right, what kind of characters can I make? Um, Which led to a lot of experimentation and then a candy bar and then a cucumber, uh, shortly after the candy bar.
1: Why why the switch from candy bar to cucumber?
2: Because of my wife. (laughs) Because I made a candy bar, and it was very cute, and he was, you know, kind of, I made it could make him bend and blink and smile. And then my wife said, you know, moms are going to be mad if you make their kids fall in love with candy bars. Right. And I thought, that's a really good point.
1: I'm always interested, because I used to make independent Christian films, like I said. Um, why make a, a Christian film or a Bible video when you could make a secular video and, and, and have a wider audience.
2: Because um, so I didn't want to make a secular video I wanted to teach someone to teach the Bible. Uh, there, there are people that will go into Christian filmmaking just because they think well maybe this is an easier place to start because the, the, you know the quality bar is so much lower. so maybe I can start here and then eventually do what I really want to do. But making Christian films for kids is is what I really wanted to do. So I wasn't sacrificing anything. Um, you know, it, it was my motive from day one.
3: God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture.
1: Your your career in, in Christian media has spanned a number of years. I mean, you, you you probably get feedback from time to time where people are nitpicking things or, you know, making comments like, why aren't you harder on this thing or whatever. Uh, how, how is it that you've been able to maintain your love of the church all these years?
2: <laughs> um, individual cranky people aren't the church. They're just individual cranky people. So, and there there are always individual cranky people inside and outside the church. If everyone had been cranky and no one had seen the value in what I was doing, it probably would have been different. But, you know, the 99% of people saw the value in in what I was doing and really liked it. So it was easy to, to hold. I mean, you have to look at criticism and I'll still get, I'm still doing lots of Bible teaching stuff. And so everyone has an opinion on you know, well, you didn't teach that the way my pastor teaches that, so your way is wrong. Like, oh well, I don't know. Maybe we just have different opinions. So you you have to you, you listen to it, but you also hold it at a distance, and and you kind of need to hold the compliments at a distance too, because either can sway you in a bad direction. Either you know, getting too many people loving something or too many people hating something can pull you off the course you believe you're supposed to be on into just trying to get either avoid the criticism or drive your car more towards praise and if you do either you'll get off track so you you know i don't read a whole lot of reviews of any of my work just because (laughs) either it's negative and it's going to kind of discourage you or it's positive and it's going to make you feel too good about what you're doing and you'll try to repeat the same thing again.
1: Yeah, which, I mean, we don't have to get too far into this, but there was a an article in the Christian Post that came out that really only printed a tiny bit of what you said in your interview, uh, from what I understand, and you started to get some flack back from that. Um, yeah,
2: that was not terribly pleasant. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you responded very well in your podcast. Um, I, I think that y- you handled it well. Uh, did, oh, thanks. It, did it take some time to calm down from that? How, how, did you, how do you deal with something like that?
2: Well, if there's, there's a strong desire in news outlets to create headlines that attract clicks because that's where money comes from. Clicks turn into money. So if your headlines don't attract clicks, you don't make any money. And so you have to kind of be aware of that. And I just shouldn't have, I, you know, I had a journalist just at the end of another interview just say, let's talk about LGBT issues. <laughs> like, wait, what? This is not what we're supposed to be talking about right now. And that got turned, you know, into a whole story of itself, which didn't really accurately portray what I'd said. So you just have to, you know, and, and then on Twitter it, it, it erupts and, and then people are tweeting you saying, oh, I didn't know you were c- either, what, caving in to the gay agenda or you were a homophobe and you're afraid of gay people. I'm like, well, I didn't say either, I didn't, what? Well, those
1: are the only two options, though.
2: <laughs> yeah, those are the only two options. Either you're caving or, you know, you're a bigot. Yeah. Um, and so, I, you know, I reached out to some of the people that were upset, specifically if they had thoughtful comments and interacted with them and then a bunch of other news outlets said hey this sounds like a hot story can we interview you about the lgbt agenda in kids media you know and i just said no no there's like 10 of them in, in one day just no I, this is not a story this is not the story right. and so you just have to sometimes you just have to survive you realize that you've been hit unexpectedly by a wave you know you were standing in four feet of water and all of a sudden there's a wave (laughs) that knocks you completely face down in the water and you just have to hold your breath and let the wave go over and then stand back up and realize it's still the same world after the wave goes by
1: well I I appreciate that response because it it would be easy to get angry and and just be like well you know those Christians are everybody's blowing things out of of proportion you know and uh, I I appreciate that you were so level-headed about that at least in the public. I imagine you had some moments yourself that were <laughs> difficult. But, well, uh, it,
2: it was more, there were people around me that were like, oh no, Phil. Oh no. <laughs> oh no, this is terrible. Oh no. And I, and I, I don't know, I've been doing this long enough where I know, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's unfortunate. And you know, it, but it'll pass all of these things pass. And, and just because four people are really upset about this, that you know, that doesn't reflect that much of our culture. That is even aware that anything happened. So most people have no idea this happened. If I keep talking about it, more and more people are now going to be aware of it. If people on podcasts ask me to talk about it over and over again, then more and more people are going to be aware of it. So I just you know stop talking about it.
1: Right? Yeah, that's good. And I'll I will stop talking about it too, so I can give you some space. <laughs>
2: That's okay. The more interesting story is, you know, what do you do when uh, somebody takes your words out of context and it makes a bunch of people mad at you? Uh, How do you handle that? That's an interesting story.
1: On top of being an animator and filmmaker, Phil is also an author. He recently released the Laugh and Learn Illustrated Bible. Uh, Well, after Veggies, uh, so I lost Veggie
2: Tales in 2003. Um, and then I was trying to figure out what to do next, and uh, felt like God was telling me to take kids deeper into the Bible, because Veggie Tales, you know, cute, bouncy, talking vegetables, you can only go so deep in theology.
1: So he did another video series called What's in the Bible, using animation and also puppets that allowed him to go deeper, answering big questions about the Bible. And it took him five years to do
2: it. I learned so much about the Bible that I didn't know before, that I hadn't really ever taken the time to just slow down and you know dive in and learn this stuff, that afterwards we thought, well, what if we took all of this knowledge, all of this new information, and put it into an actual book that kids could carry around? Uh, that parents could read to their kids at bedtime or after dinner. And that led to, well, let's do a a storybook Bible. So it's, it's 52 Bible stories starting with creation and ending with the new creation at the end of Revelation with the new heaven and the new earth. Um, and going through, you know, the whole arc of the Bible because, and this is what motivates me to do this, uh, kids want to be a part of a big story. You know, no one is inspired by a world that has no magic in it, that where there's nothing behind the curtain, where it's just, this is it, you know, you live, you die, that's it, nothing. So when we feel like we don't have a story that we're a part of, we look for a story to become a part of, and that's, you know, so our kids are jumping into Star Wars, Avengers, you know, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, whatever, we want to be part of a story. And if you go to Comic-Con and look around and you see all these grownups dressed as comic book characters, What are they doing? They're trying to be a part of a bigger story because they find, people find meaning in stories. And what we're missing with kids is we haven't taught them that the Bible is actually one big story. You know, we give them Bible stories. We don't give them the Bible story. Uh, So kids, if they go to Sunday school and church, you know, they learn Noah's Ark and they learn Daniel and the Lion's Den and they learn um samson and they learn jesus when he's holding this sheep over his shoulders and you know any story that has an animal in it is what mostly what we teach because it's cute on flannel um and so they learn all these stories but they don't learn what connects them all into one big story and that's that's what i'm trying to do with this storybook uh kids bible is show them the the big story that explains why the world is the way it is and also shows them how they fit into it, how you, a kid, fit into this big story that you can be excited about for the rest of your life. Uh, that's what I'm trying to do.
1: And as we've discussed, like a number of listeners to this show are actually not Christians that don't, don't really believe in God. Uh, is there a message maybe about the Bible, what kind of encouragement you can give us to maybe read the Bible ourselves as adults?
2: It, well, it's, it's one of the foundational texts of Western civilization, so it's good, if for no other reason, to, to know what is the story um, that created uh, the world that we live in today? You know, what is the story that has animated so much of history, both for good and for bad? What is the story that, that people, you know, you can't say, sometimes Christians point to other Christians and say, you're doing it wrong, <laughs> and then the other Christians point back and say, no, you're doing it wrong. Um, and sometimes you just have to go to the source material and <laughs> say, well, what, what is the it that we're even talking about? <laughs> How do we know when someone's doing it wrong? You know, when they say, well, the Bible says we shouldn't let immigrants cross our southern border. And other people says, well, the Bible says we should reach out to immigrants and help them. You know, who's right? What does the Bible actually say? What's the what's the role of immigration in, in, in the Bible or, or the treatment of others? Um, and unless we actually open it up and read it, it's very hard you know, in such a religiously motivated world to know what we're even talking about. So I, I think it benefits everyone to just, you know, dig it, I mean, they can look at this one as kind of a Reader's Digest condensed version of the whole Bible that gives you the arc of, of the whole bible in you know it's 320 pages but with lots of pictures
1: Uh, well again we've only got a a moment left but uh, if you were to be able to talk to one of our our non-christian audience members who are maybe feeling that the church has burned them or that uh, popular christianity has just kind of forced the world to to act like it um do you have any words that you might be able to say to that person who who's listening
2: yeah, yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, that's why that's why I do my podcast is is to talk to people, you know, who are just saying, is this really what Christianity is, what I see on TV or what I see at this, you know, megachurch uh, in the suburbs? Is this really what Christianity is? Because if it is, I just don't think I can be a part of it. Um, and it's why I teach what I teach, you know, that we're trying to go back and say, okay, no, what, what, <laughs> what is the way of Jesus? What if we're invited to follow him? What is the way of Jesus? What does it look like? And then how do we mess it up in a hundred different ways? And that's not only true of the church. It's true of almost everything. You know, anything good. I mean, there's, there's good. There's a good idea behind communism. There's a good idea behind communism. Um, but when you mix it with, with fallen humanity, you know, things get twisted. And the church can ultimately... Is composed of humans uh, who have a habit of twisting things. Sometimes for their own benefit. Sometimes because they're actually trying to help, but they just don't see what they're doing. So you know, you, you need to bring forgiveness to people, even people inside the church uh, who keep getting it wrong over and over again, and dive down historically to, to what is uh, what is the story that we're supposed to be following. You know, what is the way of Jesus and how has it shaped the world for the better over the last 2,000 years. Um, And that, to me, is a pretty compelling story.
1: Phil Vischer's new book is the Laugh and Learn Bible. You can pick it up wherever you buy books. And I should say, this doesn't have to be the end. I asked Phil a bunch of other questions, many of which were submitted by you, the listeners. But to hear those, you'll have to go to the Truce Podcast Patreon page. Patreon is this cool technology that allows you to donate a little each month to the show. I did not put the bonus material behind the paywall, so you can still access it for free, but just know that while you're on the Patreon page, a little donation would help a lot. We have links to our Patreon page at trucepodcast.com. Here is just a little taste of what we talked about. You said you're not so involved with VeggieTales. What is your involvement with it now?
2: Both Universal and TBN reached out to me and said, Phil, would you come in and make this new series feel like the old VeggieTales?
1: Now, here's another question from the internet, and I thought this one was actually kind of creative. How do you stay so fit and trim?
2: (laughs) Mike had this character called Soupy, and so the first two VeggieTales shows Larry has a different voice. I don't know where your hairbrush is. Stop asking me.
1: (laughs) Again, you can find the bonus material at patreon.com slash trucepodcast. And don't forget to follow us on social media at at trucepodcast. In two weeks, we'll kick off the main thrust of season three. This is the most research intensive season we've done so far. In this season, we're going to examine a huge story that has completely shaped the modern church. We're tracing how the rise of communist Russia pushed the American Christian church closer to capitalism and to politics. It's going to be really fascinating. Subscribe to the show in your podcasting app so you'll get every new episode as it's released. Finally, we're working on a live interview on Facebook where you, the audience, can ask me any question you like. It's coming up fast on Wednesday, October 30th at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, and that's on the Truce Podcast Facebook page. If you have a question you'd like me to answer, email me at trucepodcast at yahoo.com, and God willing, we'll replay the audio here in the podcast feed. Thanks for listening. I'm Chris Starin, and this
0: is Truce.